Hi, humans. Welcome to the Truth Doctor podcast, a podcast hosted by none other than me, Dr. Courtney Tracy, a licensed clinical social worker and doctor of clinical psychology. I'm known on the internet as the Truth Doctor because I give you real, raw, honest, no BS conversations here on all things mental health and everything that involves us as humans, which is, well, everything. Sometimes I'll have guests on whose messages will bring you comfort in knowing that you're not alone, and some will give you clarity on how to help yourself. I'll always bring you the truth. Oh, and we cuss here sometimes, so take this as your warning, as most therapists don't. Be sure to subscribe, download the episodes, leave a review, and share on social media. You can also submit your own questions for me to answer, so follow me on Instagram at the period truth period doctor and submit your questions. Enjoy the episode. I'm glad you exist. Hello, and welcome back to the Truth Doctor podcast. You guys know my name is Dr. Courtney Tracy. I am known on the internet as the Truth Doctor, and I have a really wonderful guest here with me today with a really great story, and I think you guys are going to get a lot out of what it is that she has to share. Her name is Crystal Lampett. She is a licensed therapist, speaker, and trauma specialist committed to dispelling the myths about mental health that keep us feeling sad, sick, and stuck. So if you are listening and you feel sad, sick, or stuck right now, this is going to be a great episode for you. After more than a decade working as a TV journalist and producer, Crystal found herself feeling all of these things just like we all do, in addition to crazy, confused, and exhausted. After being diagnosed with chronic illness and noticing a significant decline in her mental health, she knew that she had to make big shifts in her life in order to begin healing. And a part of that journey included going back to school to pursue her career in mental health. So she now has her own therapy practice and works with clients navigating trauma, anxiety, depression, codependency, abuse recovery, multi-ethnic identity, and of course, the vast array of difficult experiences that come with being human. Thank you so much for being here, Crystal. How are you today? Hi, thank you. Love the intro. And you know, it makes me think so much of therapy should just be called how to human. (laughs) I'm hearing you list off these things in my bio and I'm like, you know what? It's just it's just about how to human. And I appreciate you and your work and showing up the way that you do as a therapist and a human. I think that's so important for people to see. So I'm grateful to be here. Thank you. Yeah, of course. And, and I really like that. Are are you, are you newly licensed? Mm -hmm. Yes. So I am brand new. I finished (laughs) up grad school um, in the pandemic. So just, I just completed everything and just actually, this has been my first week officially up and running at my practice. So I'm new to the field. It took, you know, took a few years and a few detours to get here, but I'm finally licensed and it feels good to say that. I love that. Well, congratulations. And thank you for being a newly licensed therapist that that really understands the complexities of being human, both the good and the bad. It sounds like you're somebody that that understands the bad, but wants to focus also on what it means for us to actually make those big shifts that you're talking about. 
when it comes to our healing. And I think that a lot of it, um, you know, looking at your bio and how you describe how you got to where you're at is very, we're in this phase of, of therapy right now, where instead of our bios as therapists saying, I went to school here and I went to school there and I'm certified in this and I'm certified in that and, and keeping it very, very professional. We're now interested and we're in this era of, of enough self-disclosure so that we really do truly feel to others as a human, we feel like a human and a therapist. And, and I'm curious to kind of go back a little bit to, to not wherever you'd like to start in your journey, but but how did you end up as a TV journalist and producer feeling sad, sick, and stuck? What led you there? Oh man, so many things. And I, I do love what you said just about this new sort of chapter in therapy. And I do think it resonated with me to join this field because of that. And, you know, you learn in, in all the, the grad school textbooks that, self-disclosure is, should be used um, minimally and it should be used for the benefit of the client. And I think that's the important piece here, right? Is that so many therapists are now coming into this field and they are open to sharing some of their own struggles, provided that it is helpful, it is productive, um, you know, and, it, and I think it just helps to normalize mental health, which is something that I honestly had zero knowledge of a decade ago. It was not even on my radar. I was born in, um, so I was randomly born in Egypt and, and <laughs> I'm half Indonesian. So my family bounced around a lot growing up. So culturally, everywhere that I lived, mental health was not something that we talked about. If you had a problem, it stayed inside, it was swept under the rug, or it was something was wrong with you and you just needed to kind of suppress it and ignore it. And so I, that <laughs> that formula worked for me for a while, you know, and, and I kind of coped by becoming a high achiever, a perfectionist. I worked really hard in school and I had a lot of, um, a lot of troubles because I went to, oh gosh, probably seven, eight, nine different schools. Um, and I was constantly learning new things in different curriculums and had lots of gaps in my knowledge. So of course that led to bullying and being different and, and nobody knew where Indonesia was. This is before Bali was cool on Instagram, <laughs> you know? And so I just was really, really alienated and I didn't know what to do with that. So my way of coping, kind of my trauma response then became, oh, well, I'll just work hard enough and I'll do well enough and then people will like me. And that is the formula for becoming sad, sick and stuck, right? Mm, because yeah. it doesn't actually lead to any sense of fulfillment or joy. You're always pushing and you're always grinding and you're always seeking out something externally that you can really only create and develop internally. And so I think after years of sort of chasing this dream, I loved media. I was always 
Um, one of, one of my best friends growing up, you know, all over the world was I could watch TV and I loved the show friends. I'm a huge friends fan. Um, and that helped me learn, you know, American slang. It helped me learn culture and, and it just gave me an outlet. So I fell in love with TV and that's, so I got my undergrad in film and media and I really, really wanted to be a TV host. So that's what I ended up doing for a long time up until a few years ago. Well, really Oh, just a little over a year ago. Um, and I loved it. I loved it while it made sense. But after some time, really just kind of chasing and grinding all the time, it just caught up with me. And my body said, you know what? No, we're done with this. So then I knew I had to make some big changes. Hmm. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. You said something, something that, so I also have had a sort of a career shift recently. I mean, I'm still doing mental health, but I sold my business because mm -hmm. I had created it as a trauma response. And so I love that you said that you worked really hard to really like fulfill these areas of your life that were troubling, that were, that felt damaged, that felt disconnected. And so you jumped yourself into something where you could put your attention onto it. You know, it could, it could allow you to feel, I'm assuming like worthy and capable and important and needed and, and stable only to realize that, that if you are developing a career or have a job or have a goal in mind, but reaching that goal is fulfilling or replacing some other type mm -hmm. of pain then you're always going to be chasing that goal because you're not actually treating the pain. Exactly. And mm -hmm. it's so, I feel like a lot of people over the last year and a half or two years, more so, I would say more so because we all have this unavoidable trauma that we've went through, COVID-19. We're realizing where we have masked our issues and and then having this huge major issue that ended up happening for everybody realizing oh these these things aren't masking this anymore like this isn't this isn't an actual solution so what was that what was what was that moment like for you where you're like this isn't it yeah yeah and and i heard the news congratulations by the way about you know moving forward and doing this next chapter i i like to say new level new devil Every time you level up, there's going to be new problems, but these are good problems to have. And, and I like to think of those patterns that they look to the outside world. They look like self-sabotage. You know, they look like, God, why are you running yourself into, into the ground? Why are you a workaholic? Stop. Just rep, just relax. It's like, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, one of my biggest pet peeves is people telling me, well, just relax. <laughs> like, Oh my goodness, if you knew the challenge, um, if you have any sort of anxiety, or if you're just living in this very complicated world, it's really hard to feel safe and it's really hard to relax sometimes. Um, so I like to think of, of those patterns that look like self-sabotage as actually survival strategies. So they're adaptive survival strategies or kind, you know, they look like trauma responses, but they're the things that we have done to try to survive. Because when, when we see our behaviors as these are things that we developed as a way to cope with pain, to process or cope with trauma. When we look at it as, 
that is something that I developed, whether that's workaholism, perfectionism, addiction, all of these things that people look at and judge, you know, when we see that as, oh no, that was one way that I could stay alive. And I love Dr. Uh, Gabor Mate says, you know, when he works with people in the addiction field and they come into his facility and they feel broken and, and helpless and hopeless. And he says, congratulations, you found a way to stay alive. And to me that just discovering this information was the game changer for me because I realized the things that I was doing, they actually made sense in the context of my own past, my own conditioning, my own trauma. And so when I, when I was able to see my patterns as something that I was actually doing to protect myself, you know, my brain and, and the way that I'm designed is actually very intelligent. And being able to see it that way made me feel less like I was broken and damaged and flawed and more like, oh, this is the way my physiology is designed. So my brain is saying, hey, we perceive a threat here. We're going to go into fight, flight, freeze. And then that's going to look like overworking, overdoing, right? That's kind of that fight, flight response, like doing, 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 and never stopping. Um, or the flight response, avoiding, you know, just kind of disappearing into yourself. And so when I saw these as, oh, these are my sympathetic nervous system responses. This is my brain saying, we have to do something to get away from this threat or to get away from this pain. So we're going to send you into a fight, flight, freeze. And that make, when you are in that place, it's so hard to access that rest and digest system. So that part of your brain that allows you to rest, digest, relax. And when you're constantly living like this, that kind of becomes your norm. And after a while, your body just goes, no. So for me, it manifested as autoimmune illness. So one morning I woke up and um, gosh, I was in my mid twenties. And I woke up and went to the sink and was just kind of like fixing my hair, brushing my teeth, whatever. And the first thing I noticed was I had this huge bald patch on, on my head. And at this time I'm live on air, I'm a TV host and I'm thinking, oh my God, my hair's falling out, why? And there was no reason, there was just no reason. So um, I went to the doctor and was diagnosed with a condition called alopecia areata, which is essentially your hair just falling out just because in these huge bald patches, just smooth, you know, baby yeah. smooth skin. Um, and so I, I, oh my gosh, it was terrifying. I thought, okay, well, I'm not dying. So that's good. But yeah. <laughs> how often is this going to keep happening? And then I was diagnosed with two more autoimmune illnesses and it just sort of, it was my signal. My body was telling me, you need to, something needs to change. Um, and there's a lot of, a lot of interesting research um, connecting trauma to autoimmune illness and trauma and chronic illness in general. So as I started to find this information, I realized there's more going on here and it was a vicious cycle, right? It was I was getting pretty depressed and upset and anxious about what was going on with my body. And then that was also making my physical symptoms worse as well. So it was all a cycle. It was all connected. Um, but I just didn't, I just didn't know that seeking mental health support was an option. I just thought I'm just going to go to all these doctors and the doctors were amazing. And they gave me these answers. Um, and, and I tried all these different things, but it didn't help me with the mental component. And I felt myself just kind of floundering and I worked extra hard to then put on the happy face and 
show up to work and I just got tired. And so I finally actually saw a therapist, um, not even related to my health stuff. Um, I was actually going through a difficult um, breakup and that's why I sought therapy. And the beautiful thing about it is as I started to examine some of my trauma, I realized, oh, this is all related. And then I was yeah. sold. Then I read The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kolk. <laughs> I like to call that like the gateway drug into becoming a therapist because <laughs> once you right. read that book, it changes everything. Um, yeah. And then I decided, okay, I'm going to, I was 30 and I decided I'm going to go back to grad school and I'm just going to do this because it helped me so much. That is such, you know, I feel like today in today's world, that is such a, it's a common experience that human beings are having now where we're realizing that when we, that our mental health affects our physical health and our physical health affects our mental health. And I love that you mentioned that, well, one, I'm so sorry for the chronic illnesses. Mm -hmm. I, I, when exactly what you said, when we don't realize that our stress and our anxiety and, and, and anything, any mental health issues that we're going through can literally alter our physical health permanently. If, when we don't know it, and then it happens, Mm -hmm. then it happens. Mm -hmm. And I just think that that's, it's such a monumental period that we're in where we, you know, we always say the mind and the body, the mind and the body. It's like, but we don't really understand, you know, that the mind is the body and the body is the mind and they're not detachable and they affect each other so significantly. And it, it makes sense to me that that would be why you would focus on trauma specifically mm. with your own story and just, it, I feel like so often people turn their pain into purpose and, and that, it's such like a thing that's said. It's yeah. like, you know, oh, I'm listed, like, do I have to experience pain to have purpose? Right. No, but people that are in pain often do turn their pain into purpose. And so mm-hmm. what is it like for you to share information with others, with clients or on your social media that is the information that helped you and in a way changed mm-hmm. your whole life? Yeah, that was, that was big. And, and even when I look back to being a little kid and living in all these different countries and being confused and who am I and why am I here? I was, I was that little kid that was asking those big existential questions when I was seven, you know, what's the purpose? Why are we here? And, and I didn't get a lot of clear answers, (laughs) still working on that one. (laughs) Um, But I even remember watching television and thinking, wow, TV and media has such a huge, immense amount of power to make an impact. And so I got into journalism and media because I wanted to make an impact. I didn't know what it was yet. I just knew that I felt alone in the world often and I coped in all these unique ways. And I knew that I wanted other people to feel less alone and to feel like sometimes maybe they just had a companion, even if it was a morning show host talking about the latest and local events, you know, maybe it would just help for people to have a friendly face. And when I started to, to have my own health issues and, and learn more about mental health, that became 
the passion that it was like, Oh, this is what I'm here to do. Mm -hmm. And so I started a segment on the morning show called mental health minute and loved it. And I got so much positive feedback from viewers. Um, I eventually started writing on Instagram and I was getting more positive in people sharing their stories. And I thought, wow, this is really making an impact. And then finally, um, last year I was selected to do a Ted talk and I shared some of my story on my Ted talk and the same thing happened. I had people just messages coming in about, thank you for validating my pain. Thank you for, for drawing this connection between autoimmune illness and trauma and, 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 making me feel less crazy basically because anyone who's who has chronic illness or you know sometimes you feel crazy and you feel like it's all in your head or mental illness of any kind or, or mental conditions you just feel kind of crazy um so I, I just i knew i didn't want people to feel alone in that and it wasn't always very clear but um about a year ago right before the pandemic my uh, morning show was canceled and i was just devastated because i thought well I wanted to talk about mental health. This was my new thing, right? Mm. Um, and when when that kind of disappeared, I just thought, okay, full force ahead. I'm just going to just do therapy. I'm going to focus all of my energy on mental health. And that has been so much more fulfilling. It's still not, you know, I, I think no career and no thing that you chase is ever going to solve all your problems or answer all your questions but it became a secure base for me and knowing that, okay, this is my home and, and being able, able to share this knowledge, it feels so good to me. And, and selfishly, I like to make a positive impact on people's <laughs> lives, but I also genuinely know the pain of feeling alone and feeling crazy. And I never want people to feel that way. And, and as you know, especially within the social work field, um, when you're learning about all these systems and how, how much accessibility is an issue, um, not everybody has the privilege of accessing therapy. And so if writing on Instagram or starting a TV segment at one point was my way of spreading the message, then that's what I was going to do. Because we, we do have to at least encourage people to consider, you know, that that maybe, just maybe, they're not crazy. There are things they can do, they can heal, and they are powerful. And I wouldn't be so passionate about this if I hadn't experienced that for myself. I think that that is definitely where passion comes from. It's when you can feel or have felt what it is that you're trying to contribute to. And you said something really interesting, which, I, I, I latched onto it and I feel like I have to have to bring it up because you've said a few times about how you've moved a lot, you know, you've moved all over and, and then you, and then you described your TV um, hosting experience as a friend for anybody watching. And then you just described mm -hmm. your therapy practice as a secure base. And so I find it really interesting that you had a bunch of new friends and sort of unstable environments, not, not necessarily the dynamic, but just simply the, the constant change. So a lack of this relationship that you could form in adolescence or in whenever you were moving, as well as constantly changing your base. And so you've developed over the course of your careers solutions 
to mm-hmm. two problems that you faced when you were younger, not having necessarily a secure base and having someone to always go to, to call that friend. Yeah. I love talking to a therapist about this because you make all these connections. Right. <laughs> um, and, and yes, exactly. Um, and learn, I loved learning about attachment theory because it, it helped explain a lot of my patterns <laughs> too. Um, but we all need a secure base. And especially if we haven't felt like we had that in childhood, whether that's from moving around, whether that's from parents who were just busy, you know, I think people, they think of therapy and they think, oh God, I'm going to have to blame my parents for everything, you know? And they're like, my parents are great. And, and that's just a myth, you know, it's, it's sometimes that's a factor. And sometimes there are uh, very traumatic things that happen in childhood. And, and some, some people are not you know, blessed with wonderful parents. Um, so, but it's not always that sometimes it can be exactly what you said. Moving around a lot is very destabilizing. Um, parents who have to both have to work. That's so common now, right? Most, most parents, most households have two working parents, um, or one of them is not available. One of them travels a lot. So when you don't have a secure base or a safe adult or somebody that feels very consistent and very reliable, you do kind of seek that in other people, places, and things that are not always the healthiest things. And so I even think that one of the reasons why I latched onto television was because it fit really well with my trauma responses. I could work myself into the ground. I could make myself available 24 seven. You wrote me an email at 11 PM. Okay. I'm responding to it right now. Um, And so that was, but that was what I latched onto. That was my, okay, well, maybe I can hold on to this. And I can, if I can just work really hard at this, then I'll be okay. Um, but eventually it became clear, you know, you can be your own secure base and you can find that within yourself. And you really are that person that you've been waiting for. And mm-hmm. I don't think that we are told that enough that we are so powerful and we of course we need other people and yes we need support and we need that tribe you know we're humans we're designed to connect with others and there is so much that you can do for yourself and there's so much healing that you can do um, with the right support and the right resources that I think it's overlooked a lot. And when you find that place within yourself, it doesn't mean your life is peachy from here on out, but it means that you have a secure base to come back to. And however you find that is so important. And and for me personally, my purpose and becoming a mental health practitioner and an advocate, that has become part of my secure base and something that I come home to that feels good and it feels safe and it feels like, what I was called to do. Hmm. What would you say to people listening right now that, well, have experienced everything that we've experienced going through the pandemic, but also that obviously have their own trials and tribulations being an individual human. What would you say to them just in general about, about trauma anything that they may have been through perhaps it's just what happened over the last year and a half perhaps it's been there most of their lives what would you say as as a a trauma specialist Mm. number one i think the words that i really needed to hear are you're not crazy and you're not broken and this isn't a character flaw um i like to think peter levine 
describes trauma as an injury. So trauma is an injury, which means you can heal from it. So that's good news for everyone, I hope, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and, and within reason, right? When we talk about trauma in terms of mental health, um, and we've expanded the definition a lot as well. So I think it's also important to kind of define the way that I use trauma and different clinicians use it in different ways. The expanded definition of trauma, one that I really like is from Bessel van der Kolk, and he defines trauma as anything that overwhelms the nervous system. So anything that overwhelms our coping capacities. So it doesn't have to be going to war or getting in a huge car accident. And that's one of the, the big myths about trauma is, well, I didn't go through anything that was that bad. Uh, but what we know now with the ACEs study blew this wide open. So the adverse childhood experiences study measured people who had gone through adverse experiences while they were children on, you know, 10 different items, everything from a uh, parent who went to jail, feeling unloved, parents who were divorced. Some of these items are not that outside of the ordinary. Um, and the higher the ACE score you had, the higher likelihood you had of getting these difficult health issues later in life, everything from diabetes to heart problems and mental conditions as well. So we could see, wow, those early life experiences really do impact what happens in adulthood as far as our health. And, and it doesn't have to be, oh, they, they had some head injury or they went to war. Right. It can be, you felt alone and you felt unloved. And so I think that first, just normalizing that trauma is something that many of us go through and knowing that it doesn't mean you're broken, as Peter Levine would say, it's not a life sentence, it's an injury. Mm -hmm. And that means that you can heal from it. And I, I hope that people take advantage of the free information and resources that are out there because there is a ton, the, the research in this area is just booming. It's incredible what we're learning about PTSD and trauma and stress-related right. disorders in general. I don't even like to think of them as disorders often. I think of them as that's your nervous system doing its job. So mm -hmm. you have a heightened startle response to certain threats because at one point in your life, something terrible happened when you saw that visual cue or experience some kind of trigger. And so starting with just knowing that if you have a trauma response or maybe you have a pattern that you don't like, it can actually be a sign that there's something very right with you. You're alive, <laughs> your brain's doing its job, your nervous system is doing its job. So instead of seeing this as, wow, what is so wrong with me that I keep doing X, Y, and Z and I'm stuck in some kind of pattern, trying to see it as, oh, that part of me is responding to a trauma. What do I need to feel safer? What do I need instead? And how can I create mm -hmm. safety in my life and security in my life so that my nervous system doesn't feel like it needs to freak out all the time? Um, and that, that can be as simple as boundaries. It can be as simple as, you know what, I need to actually create a safer environment at home. Um, right. Or it may be some unprocessed trauma where you might need to seek help and hopefully find a great therapist who can help you process that and integrate those experiences so that your nervous system learns to respond in a different way. Um, but it's all part of the process. There's no one right way to do anything. I just want to encourage people to really 
have compassion for themselves and to know that they're not crazy. You know, they're going through very human things. Um, and there's probably a lot right with them if they're currently alive. Mm, I absolutely. And I love that you just repeated that again at the end, because that was really, I, I don't, I, I just love that you used your voice to say that if you have a trauma response, it could mean that something's actually going really good for you. <laughs> and I just think like, it makes me kind of emotional to hear you say that because I'm just grateful that that's your perspective sitting across from human beings that you're working with. Mm. People need to mm. hear that. They need to, it literally makes me emotional. I'm like tearing up a little because there's just a lot of people that don't tell their clients that, that don't tell their partners that and their friends that and their children that and their parents that. And we live our lives feeling like we're crazy, like we're not fixable. This is permanent. I'm messed up. Things are never going to get better. It's like, mm -hmm. actually, your body is making you better every moment. It hurts. It yeah. hurts. But it's keeping you alive. And I just think that was just so incredibly beautiful. So thank you so much for saying all of that. Cause I think it's going to change. I think it's going to hit people where it should. And I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I got goosebumps hearing you say that. It just, <laughs> it, it really feels oh, without, you know, sounding too lofty. It really does feel like my life's work. And, and I think in this field, there, you have so many options, you know, and there's so many ways to get help. And I just don't think we access it enough. I think we feel, oh, if I'm getting help, that means that I'm weak. Um, and really it's just sitting across from another human, you know, and, and the wonders that that can do for your nervous system, because we know the research shows that one of the most important pieces of success in therapy or positive outcomes from therapy is the safety and the quality of the therapeutic alliance. And that just goes to show how important that human connection is and how our nervous systems co-regulate with each other. And so the more you have somebody who sees you as inherently valuable and already worthy of all of the healing and worthy of all of the good and all of the joy that they desire, that alone can be healing. Um, and so I hope that everybody who is in pain gets that chance to seek that and find that safety with a therapist because your nervous system learns that. And that's the beginning of rewiring to find your own secure base and to have better relationships with others too, because now your nervous system is learning, oh, this is what it's like to feel in a safe relationship, um, to feel safe in a relationship rather. Um, and, and I just think that's so important. And, and, and there's the flip side of this, right? Where in every industry, you can end up with someone who ends up causing more damage mm -hmm. um, and, and pathologizes you and says, well, that's your, you're crazy talking. Um, <laughs> and we have to be so careful with that because on the one hand, yes, we need the DSM and we need right. these labels. I understand why we have them. I get it. And they do serve a purpose. And it's much easier to say, oh, this person is struggling with major depressive disorder than to try to say, oh, they're kind of sad. Like, well, what does that right. mean? You know, so I get why we have labels 
And we have to also look at the whole person. We have to look at the systems that they exist within. We have to look at what is influencing them. And we have to be so careful not to re-traumatize people and to make them feel even more isolated and even more alienated. And that's the first step. Because if you don't feel safe with your therapist, I don't know how great that work is going to (laughs) go. Yeah, I fully agree with you. And you, you, I am grateful that you have the perspective that you have as a new therapist. And I want people to know for anybody listening in whatever, whatever area you're licensed, I would love to have you share where you're licensed, what type of work you do, and then where people can find you on social media. Because I have been, for those of you listening, following Crystal on social media, and it's, it's invaluable content. If you liked this episode, if you love this episode, like I did, (laughs) then you will love the content on there and you'll get to see and hear her perspective over and over again, every time she posts and perhaps even work with her individually. So please let us know where can we find you in real life and online. That would be wonderful. So currently I'm licensed in Kansas, working on licensure in Missouri as well. Um, And so I do provide some individual therapy and you can find all of that information on my website. It is clwellnesskc.com. So that's just my initials. And then yes, please follow me on Instagram. So my name is spelled kind of uniquely. So if if you're listening to this, it's at C-R-Y-S-T-L-E-L-A-M-P-I-T-T. Um, and it's, you know, there's only, when you start typing it in, it'll, it should pop up. But <laughs> I also, because I admire you, Dr. Tracy, and this was my way of holding myself accountable. <laughs> I was like, I need to get on some TikTok. So yes, <laughs> yes. And, you know, I, I, I kind of had a thing for a minute where I was like, oh God, I feel so self-conscious and which people laugh at. Cause they're like, you were on TV for 10 years and you're worried <laughs> about TikTok. What? But it's different, right? It's your own yeah. content. It's your own voice. Um, but I held myself accountable. I told myself I would have at least one video posted before this episode. So <laughs> I did, I posted my first video on TikTok officially, <laughs> and please do follow me there. Cause I think I currently have like six followers and I don't <laughs> what I'm doing, but I would love to share more, more content because as your work has shown, it is one way to make it much more accessible, um, little snackable tidbits that can really help people that the idea of the impact that I could have in that platform, um, is really inspiring. So I hope to do more there. So keep watching that space too. Definitely. I'm so proud of you. I'm so glad that you're on there. I love that. Congratulations. Honestly, it's a hard, it took me a couple months too. I was like, I cannot go on there dancing. And now here we are. Now look at you. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Well, thank you so much, Crystal. Honestly, this episode was, you're very well-spoken, which makes sense for your former Mm -hmm. career, but also the words that came out of your mouth really defined your perspective of how you help people, what mental health is, what trauma is and 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 also what makes you as a human capable of understanding what it is that you're working on with other people so just thank you so much for coming on i really appreciate it and to close out as i usually do my name is dr courtney tracy you know me on the internet as the truth doctor and the truth is if you have experienced trauma 
you are not crazy. And just like Crystal has said, it actually means that something's going pretty good for you if your body is protecting you from what happened in the past. Thank you for listening to the Truth Doctor podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, the best way to help us out is to share it on social media, give us a review, or give us some stars. The more interaction that you have with these episodes, the more the algorithm shares these episodes with other people. And if you think that this information was helpful, then I would love your help in sharing the message with as many people as we can reach. See you next time.